wasn't quite sure where I was going to feel led to go this morning for a message. Been pondering quite a bit in the the depths of some of Paul's writing to the Philippians, and in one of the ways he expresses it there in in the very familiar verse in Philippians three ten. Um, he talks about that in in light of those things that he in his life was all in order that he had reasons to have confidence in himself and so forth and um, so I won't cover verse 10 I won't use that as a text this morning but I want to draw build on a thought that's in that verse Paul says there that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And um, so we were thinking and praying about those brothers and sisters that uh, we don't know their circumstance and there are many more around the world that would have faith and trust in God in those types of situations and needs talks about a number of things here and I believe they in some to to a great extent come under that heading that knowing him knowing God is in that that we come to an understanding of these elements but he goes on and elaborates these three areas the power of a resurrection the fellowship of the sufferings being made conformable unto his death I'd like to take that second element of the fellowship of his sufferings and consider with you a little bit this morning what is involved there um, in our lives and situations and, and as we look around us we I trust many times count the blessings we so abundantly are given but where is God when difficulties arise when sufferings come What is his purpose in it? Do we understand that God has a hand in that? What is that purpose? Sometimes we can see situations develop where people face ongoing challenges and extended difficulties and and then sometimes it's easy for others to look on from a distance and to perhaps we can puff out our chest a little bit and point and say there's trouble there. There's trouble there. The Old Testament in Malachi, uh, there's a verse, two verses there that refer to a refiner's fire. The element of that refining process and um, very useful illustration in some respects to understand God's will and desire to work in your life and my life and making us what he wants us to be. But perhaps this morning for, for your consideration as we consider the the theme of faith's answer to difficulty and suffering. Faith 
faith's answer. What is faith's response? You know, in, in life we would expect a response from a child of God to be different than that of a sinner, wouldn't we? A practicing sinner, a reprobate mind, so forth. What is faith's answer? Now, I'd like to use the illustration, at least plant that seed in your mind of <clears throat> sometimes perhaps we've observed where they've taken a large tree trunk or a stone or whatever, different elements, but the work of a sculptor in fashioning something, an image, a likeness out of that, that um, is intriguing to most of us because we would feel very ill-equipped to be able to, to carve such an image, to produce such a work. And yet there's, there's a, a parallel in, in a real way that as God works in our lives, as we experience those things and difficulties of life, um, be they great or small, do I, can we, in faith, behold those things and behold that hand and the purpose of it? To understand that hammer's blow, that chisel's cut, and to chipping away the things in my life and your life that, that we might say, that's not good, that doesn't feel good, that hurts, that's difficult. And yet to have the confidence in God to realize that he will work his desires even though we at times may not understand in part or at all seemingly as to things we've come through, things we're facing. And that array of of Detail will vary, surely, from each one of us to the other. Brother said this morning something about, I'm not sure, I think it was some reference to, well, I'm, I, uh, his own problems. He didn't want anybody else's. He was happy enough with his. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we look around us and we realize what others go through, it makes our situation seem more tolerable, more endurable. But I believe um, just like the element of, of schooling and homework, the discussion of the virtue of homework well, may need to be considered uh, what is appropriate and what is not, what's suitable. There is a sense in which there is that ongoing, dur uh, I'm going to use a Spanish word there, um, that which requires diligence and, and bearing up under that load to accomplish the end goal of, of coming to a level of training in the academic realm. But sometimes we can look at our lives and, and the question we have to answer is, what is my answer in faith to those things? Is my answer to those things I'm experiencing, those difficulties, those sufferings, 
Can I commit them to God? Can I understand that? Recently I was talking to a man about some things that really left him discouraged. And uh, I knew him a little bit and I just I just challenged him. I said when he was talking about, you know, he came to a place where he just couldn't hardly function as he ought before God and he, he attempted to take things on his own to figure things out on his own. And I asked him, I says, I said to him, did, did God become smaller than your problems? And sometimes that's easier to see when we're looking on another situation. But for you and I, we've probably faced the same circumstance. In a situation where we well nigh came to the point of thinking that <clears throat> our problems, our difficulties were larger than the God we serve. May God help us. May God help me. May God help each one of us in those areas. <clears throat> I'd like to invite you to Second Chronicles as we consider this morning some of this thoughts on what is involved in faith's answer to difficulty and suffering. Second Chronicles chapter 7, a very familiar verse there, but I want to look at some of the surrounding territory. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, of course, is one that is, is well known. It's been quoted many, many times. It's been used in speeches and presentations even by presidents of this nation in the past. <clears throat> What is the purpose of this verse? Dropped into this, this passage of, of Scripture, what, what is involved that as a part of the Word of God, what effect, what impact is it to have in my life and yours? Let's look, let's read verses 11 and, and following down through the latter part of the chapter here and notice a few things. <clears throat> Thus, Verse, beginning reading in Second Chronicles 7, verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house and he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. We could go ahead and look at some of the verses down through the end of the chapter here. The, he repeats a little bit of that, that uh, call to, to seek the face of God, to turn away from those things that are displeasing to God in verse 19. And the things that will come to pass on those that uh, regard not the hand of God. 
And here again, our focus this morning is to consider faith's answer to difficulty and suffering. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. There's a sense in which we can acknowledge that in these verses here, as the Lord spoke to Solomon, through the, the time of testing that he wanted uh, the ability to use as needed things of difficulty, times of suffering. But we can ask ourselves when we get down to verse 14, am I the son of God, or the, a child of God, the child of God, that is seeking his face. Are we as a people, uh, have we as, you know, we can look at it on a, a personal level, on a uh, corporate level. Do we comply? Do we implement that which is portrayed here? For us, our vitality, our spiritual vitality, the lifeblood of, of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is embodied in that humbling of ourselves, that praying, that seeking, and that <clears throat> steering away from those wrong ways, whatever they would be in, in our life's pathway. This is spirit and life for you and I. I want to go now to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, briefly here. Jesus said here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. As being those who want to be joined to the vine, it is we should remember and be reminded that he has said, those things that will not bring forth Fruit, he will take away. And that with which that which is within us that has the potential to bear fruit, he wants to cultivate that. He wants to prune it. He wants to work his work to bless us and to bring glory to him. And there we see a glimpse of what could be considered a painful process. And we'll look at the scriptures and and a few other areas here that that build on that um, that pruning of the branches. Do we remember? We look in the world around us, and we're to we're encouraged to to pursue and a culture and a lifestyle of of comfort and ease. No discomfort needed. Remove all suffering. Remove all difficulty. Remove all sacrifice. Live it up. First Corinthians chapter, First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. We see there the account of Paul writing that we are chastened in the Lord. 
And there is that element of chastening that we should look, I don't know, should I say look forward to? Our desire to know that God cares for us in that very real and deep way. And verse 32, I wanted to refer to there. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You see, with that, that work of the great sculptor, there is purpose, there is plan, there is reason behind those things that he brings into our life and experience. And it's, it has a redemptive purpose, but it's also a process of, of bringing about the image of the most high into one's life and heart. We talk about having the mind of Christ growing from in glory to glory. But do we truly understand and remind ourselves that in those difficult situations and moments, it is a part of what God has called us to to experience um, to mature us, to grow us, to prune us. So I trust this morning as we are chastened in the Lord, we can acknowledge that while we might not understand it all, we have more confidence in Him without any doubt than our need to understand it completely. And so we commend it, commit it into His hand, commit it unto His care, in that very real way. In Hebrews, some very special verses there in chapter 12 that can encourage us in these areas, I believe, as we consider faith's answer to difficulty and, and suffering. In Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read uh, verses 5 down through verse 11. And I want to notice a couple of things. In verse 7, there's a word there that's used. It says, if ye endure chastening. That word endure. And then down in verse 11, there's a number of things. But um, there is the word exercised thereby, that phrase in the last part of that verse. Let's begin reading in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And have ye forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which have correct, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in sub, subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. 
In verse 7, he says, if ye endure. The experience of something unpleasant, undesirable to, to our senses, without the understanding of a greater virtue, a value to us, can be very difficult. And yet, the word endure here is to, it has the thought of to bear up under, to, to remain under, to allow him to speak to us, to, to chasten us according to his spirit, his direction, his word, and his spirit in our lives. And then there is that refining process. Those chips are flying. Those pieces are falling off that God would not have to be a part of us being made into his image and to his likeness. I believe none of us here would want to fall into the category of the latter part of verse 8. Not having that relationship, nor similarity, nor the face to seek our Father. These verses here in Hebrews 12, in verse 11, there's notice what is happening here. He talks about now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Does that apply to everyone? That grievous chastening? No, it applies, it says, to those unto them which are exercised thereby. Exercised thereby. Those who, through the result of of continued difficulty, when you think about exercised thereby, um, that word there, I looked it up, and it's it has to do with a training. It has to do with difficulty, and I, I had to think about the work that when we think of athletes and their different endeavors and, and sports and so forth, and sometimes they go through grueling processes of extended training just to attain um, a goal. And I remember when I was still in, in the public school system in ninth grade, I observed some of the young guys there that were involved in the wrestling team, and they had a lot of things, of goals to reach. And, you know, they had to conform to their weight class, and there were days when before a meet, a wrestling match, it, you would see them walking down the halls carrying a bottle, and they would be spitting into that bottle, spitting into that bottle spitting into that bottle, trying to get their weight down for that mate, that way in for that meat. Sometimes they had to work pretty much around the clock to get it down to where it needed to be. It wasn't fun. I'm sure they wished they could quit that. There was a process, and yet how much more is the chastening of the Lord in our lives to bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. 
that combination, <clears throat> that exercise cannot continue if we do not apply what it says in verse 7. We looked at already to abide under, to endure. That, that work of the sculptor must not jump up and run off the workbench or split in half and say, I will not conform to what you're trying to make me into. To make it possible to bring, bring to pass that form of the image and likeness of our Lord is something that cannot be attained while we are in the flesh. It can only happen as we, by His power, through the direction of His Spirit, allow Him to do that work in your life and mine. Let's turn to Revelations chapter 3. <clears throat> verse 19 here we have writing to the churches it's a familiar message here again verse 19 as many as I love I rebuke and chasten to be, zeal be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And then notice the end of this process in the next verse. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Probably when we think of faith's answer to difficulty and suffering, one of the characters in the scriptures that come to our mind is Job, is it not? But what was the assessment of the centurion? After Christ died. What did the centurion say? It says in Mark 15, 39, the last part of that verse, truly this man was the son of God. Our Lord was exercised thereby, was he not? To carry out to the fullest the will of the Father. May those dear ones in Haiti be spoken of as being those that are exercised thereby. They're enduring hardness. I had to think of the example of the Apostle Paul <clears throat> actually here in the same letter in Philippians. The circumstances that he found himself in In the first chapter, it says in verse 17, I 
I'll just break into this, this uh, discourse here. But he says in verse 17, But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul was facing what he knew to be a difficult road. But the word set here that's used in, the, in this verse is a word that it, it indicates that to be placed there, to be appointed there, to have a purpose there. And there he was, chained to the soldiers. And yet, because of Paul's understanding and knowledge of God, when he was chained to that soldier, as they traded out from time to time, was he the prisoner or were the soldier? Paul was at liberty because he was there. He saw purpose. He understood that God had his hand in his life and experience for a reason beyond himself. That kind of shows itself. And if you go back to chapter 4 of Philippians, notice what it says here. <clears throat> salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly they. Now he says, all the saints salute you chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. And we don't know for sure if that involved any of his guards, if it was servants there or whatever, but there seemed to be through Paul's ministry and his confidence in the work of God and his life, even there in, in that situation, there seemed to be the taking root the, the bursting forth of the seeds of faith and they beheld Paul in a very favorable situation. To be able to send their greetings is an impressive thought to consider. See, so our time is moving along. I would just remind us that there is a sense in which <clears throat> even as the example of Christ stood to draw that com comments of admiration for the suffering he endured in such a way to be an example for us that it has a drawing effect on those that know not God around us. One of the other aspects of Faith's um, answer and, and this difficulty and suffering. What is the purpose of it? What good comes out of it? Sometimes, you know, you you hear people vent their frustrations over circumstances and happenings and their lot in life, and they see no good, no purpose in it. The other evening we were with a few uh, other sisters and Janice there for an evening in a restaurant. And uh, 
I found it interesting, the waiter there commented a couple of times that he appreciated that we prayed for our food. And then later he came back and he made another statement. He basically said, well, I'd like to tell you why. And he went on to tell, he was to some extent a man of faith. I don't know him. But he said here, a lot of people come in here and a lot of them are not very nice. And they make life rough for you in the restaurant. Sometimes even he said us workers come in and we're not in good condition. And he acknowledged the need of God's hand of blessing in their lives in the midst of the things they face. And that illustrates again for us <clears throat> our need for the chastening of the Lord. Whatever way, we don't look forward to it in a way, but yet James says, count it all joy when you... It says fall into diverse temptations. That word fall means to encounter, actually. Do we know? So know God that which he brings into our life we have the confidence that it's the appropriate tool, it's the proper chisel that we want to abide under it in confidence. Or sometimes we can find ourselves looking for ways to squirm, to move under the, away from the point of that chisel or disregard God's call. And we do it in different ways. People respond to things in different ways. They deal with problems in different ways. A friend in the neighborhood that um, had his phone number in here the other day, it just showed up that he, he uh, put a couple posts on his WhatsApp status. and I just noticed that he posted a picture of an alcoholic drink from Mexico, Zacatecano. His way of dealing with his problems, he saw in that 38% alcohol. The picture of how he would deal with it. You know, that's to us, the scripture points out that that method is a picture of darkness. And while you might come close to being able to light your house with such a mixture as that in lamps, I'm not sure, it doesn't bring spiritual illumination. Like acknowledging the chastening of the Lord. Acknowledging the sovereignty of His hand to work. We see it all through the Scripture's examples of David, of Joseph, <clears throat> You know, David could have taken the ridicule of his big brother and, and had quite a different response about Goliath. But he, in his own way, he acknowledged the hand of God. 
and his part in that. I want to look just a, a brief moment here at a couple of verses in, in uh, Genesis thinking about Joseph's situation. And he depicted it here in verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, Genesis 50, verse 19, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. I believe that we don't see a lot of those details, but there had to be a willingness for Joseph to allow those chips and those chunks to be hewn from his life. For him to come to an understanding and commitment <clears throat> to committing his life and all the sufferings and difficulties and injustices that we could spend quite a while analyzing. Then we have the example of, of Genesis 22 where Abram was called to give, to take Isaac. And God didn't say take, make a sacrifice. He didn't say offer one of your sons. He said offer Isaac. He didn't say take Ishmael. He said take Isaac. And what was happening there in, in that experience, I believe, is not one that Isaac was being sacrificed but it was a test of sacrifice of Abraham's heart. Abraham's heart. What was he willing to allow God to work in his life? <clears throat> a brother that's planning to come for meetings in the spring, Lord willing, gave this testimony after they had moved to Costa Rica years ago. And he said he preached on this passage in Genesis 22, the first message he gave there in Spanish. Ten days later, he dug a grave and buried his second son. One of the many things that God had brought into his life. May we stand by each other and before God in faith as we consider these difficulties and sufferings in our lives. May we count it all joy when we encounter those divers, temptations, situations, circumstances. And may the image of Christ be becoming more and more apparent. And my life and yours. <clears throat>